Late Night Movies with Robin Zack. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And here on Cinemodities, we'd like to talk about specific situations... I know I've you said I've said and used situation in the past, but situations is probably a better way to put it. We've branched out. We've talked about a lot of these these specific scenarios, but all of them have a common theme of the utility of a movie, of a media. And we're thinking of, well, when we show something to somebody, what response is it going to elicit? What is it going to make them think? And of course, with the name of this cinemodities, it's usually going to be a little bit weird. And so, continuing on with something I think is a little bit weird, our foreign animation series, uh, we are actually covering foreign animation. I guess I should say, Zach, are you happier this week that we're actually doing something that fits our series? I know in Perfect Hair Forever, you you felt lied to, you felt betrayed. Zach gave me the silent treatment for a little while after that. (laughs) I felt very bamboozled. Is this better? Is this better? Yes. Okay. So... Even though this isn't as weird as Perfect Hair Forever, it's nowhere near as obscure, we are talking about one of the go-to animes, in my opinion. I think that when you talk about anime, you talk about the classic anime, the animes that kind of started it all, the ones that people have to watch, this is one of them, Cowboy Bebop. Of course, we're not talking about the whole series, we're talking about one specific episode that I have chosen for Zach. Much like what we did with Breaking Bad, I chose my favorite episode of Breaking Bad, and here I'm doing the same thing. My favorite episode of Cowboy Bebop. This is session 20, and of course all the sessions are named after uh, the the target, the mark of these bounty hunters, even though this really isn't the mark of the bounty hunters. Spike is is the mark of the bounty hunted, I should say. Piero LeFou. So, Zach, first question for you, as I usually do. Have you ever seen any Cowboy Bebop before I gave you this episode? No. No? Have you even ever heard of Cowboy Bebop? Yes, I've been aware, I've been aware of the name forever, much like anybody who's uh, been, I, I guess, obviously Adult Swim. But was this, was this Toonami? This was, this was Toonami, yes. Okay. So yes, going back all the way to what was in its Toonami days back in like the early 2000s, yes, I've always been vaguely aware of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I have no I, I knew it was anime. I never knew what it was besides that classification. <laughs> okay, and I probably picked the the least representative episode. Uh, basically, everything I'm going to say about this episode uh, is that it is so different from the rest of Cowboy Bebop, which is why it stood out to me and why I've remembered it all these years. Um, but Zach, please, I want to give it to you, since you've never seen Cowboy Bebop before, and since this is even, I think, a little further from your sphere than... Uh, Breaking Bad was. How would you summarize this episode? How would you give our listeners, whether they've heard or seen this episode of Cowboy Bebop or not, how would you describe Session 20? All right, this is how I described it to Rob. As I was watching this, I had no idea um, what was going on with the characters, uh, much like uh, dumping the pushing the toddler into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Rob kind of did that <laughs> to me with Cowboy Bebop. Um, Rob shared with me this episode but I went and found it on my own because I didn't want to download some sketchy program off the internet. Oh my God. So, it's, so I, it's VL, VLC is like I the least 
sketchiest thing. I don't like downloading sketchy programs off the internet. <laughs> so I went and found it. I had no idea if it was the correct episode. Um, I think I found a legal copy because I know a lot of anime is for free online with like uh, commercials. Or I guess popular anime would be the correct term. Okay. And so as I was watching it, Rob was like, oh, did you find the program to did you find the program to download it? And I'm like, no, like I just told you, I found it for free. He's like, oh, what happened in the episode? And I described the episode as this. Cowboy Bebop bites the mayor of Halloween Town. And I think his response was, great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, even though I did not think of that when I saw this episode, and all the time, it's been years since I saw this for the first time. And every time I've watched this, I've never thought of this, but the mayor of Halloween Town is actually a really good description of the villain of Perot or Pierrot LeFou. He got that top hat. He's a big balloon. Uh, he's got a. He's he's. It's so strange. It's the weirdest thing. So thank you, Zach. Thank you for bringing that unique perspective. He is the mayor of Halloween Town. In Anytime. Nightmare Before Christmas, is his name just the mayor? It's just the mayor, right? Um, yes, I'm pretty sure that's his name. Yeah, I think that's what it is. That's what his name is in Kingdom Hearts as well. He's just the mayor in Jiminy's Journal. Um, but yes, Cowboy Bebop fights the mayor of Halloween Town. That's a really good way to put it. Even I think that's a really good way to put it. That summarizes this episode in a very nice way. Um, this episode, as I mentioned, is really different from the rest of Cowboy Bebop. Now, I didn't rewatch Cowboy Bebop before talking about this, and or rather, I should say, it's been a little while since I've rewatched Cowboy Bebop. But I know that this episode has stood out to me for so long because it is so different. Um, for for Zach and for the audience, anyone who doesn't know Cowboy Bebop, the premise is that the we follow uh, basically a a spaceship of bounty hunters, and they travel the galaxy uh, trying to get bounties and you know make money that way. Um, sometimes they get derailed with their personal shit, as shows usually happen in them. Um, but in this one episode, they don't follow a bounty. A bounty follows them. So, of course, even though it might have been confusing with the characters and stuff, Zach, uh, it, was it clear to you at the, the very beginning of this episode, our main character, Spike, who I, I'm guessing you call Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> yes. Uh, he just happens to stumble upon... The mayor of Halloween Town murdering people. That's how we start. Did you get that? Yes, I was. I, I think I have a firm grasp of what happens in the episode. Okay. Okay. Good. So we. That's so interesting for this show. I mean, to take that perspective, it, it's different from what they usually do. They get an assignment, or they know they find someone with a huge bounty, and they want to go track them down. Uh, he just stumbles into a gunfight. He literally stumbles onto a killing machine. I guess that's the only little tweak I would give to your uh, summary, Zach. It's the mayor of Halloween Town if he was a killing machine. Well, I, I, are you more familiar with Hall uh, Nightmare Before Christmas lore? Is the mayor of Halloween Town actually a killing machine? In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. No, I just, as I was watching this, I was, um, like, like, unlike Perfect Hair Forever, where after a while, I really started to space out while watching it, and I questioned my existence and what, what choices <laughs> led me to that exact moment, <laughs> um, or series of moments. Um, with this, I was, uh, I was, me I, not, I don't want to say mesmerized, but I definitely was hooked watching it. 
I have no idea. The version I watched was the original dub with subtitles. I'm not sure if that's how every episode is. So I, ha- I had subtitles, and as I'm watching it, I have no idea what any of the characters' names are. Because the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, is the main character called Cowboy Bebop? I'm like, is that his name? Um, I-, I-, I had no idea. I'm like, I-, I feel like I'm watching this. It's kind of like, like I-, I don't know, like there's a great Simpsons joke where Homer Simpson meets Mel Gibson, and he has the quote, and he says something about, like, Mel Gibson says, like, something, but I guess he's, like, giving up or something, and Homer turns around, and he goes, I'm tired of running away. Did Braveheart run away? Did Payback run away? It's time we show those suits what we're made of. What are you doing? I'm tired of running away. Did Braveheart run away? Did Payback run away? It's time we showed those suits what we're made of. And the funny thing is that <laughs> Payback is a movie that Mel Gibson started that just called Payback. Yep. And somehow Homer just assumes that's his character name in the movie. His name is Payback. He plays the character of Payback. And that's why I felt like I was doing with Cowboy Bebop and still am. Um, it wasn't until about like yesterday that I looked it up and realized the main character's name is not Cowboy Bebop. Yes. Um, I'm a little disappointed in that. I think that's a more interesting name for the lead character. It's like, oh, look, there goes Cowboy Bebop. It's like, like the whole time as I'm thinking about it, it's like, what are you, fun? Like, like, what are you going for Halloween as? I'm going as Cowboy Bebop. Like, and I found out the character's name is like Spike. I'm like, that's so generic. That could be anything. It's like you say, I'm going as Cowboy Bebop. So I have to ask, this, like, I know we're getting off topic or what your question was. What is a Cowboy Bebop? What is a cowboy bebop? You know what, Zach? As you were giving your answer, I was thinking this. Uh, I did not do my research well enough before this episode. Uh, like I said, I didn't haven't rewatched this in a long, long time. Um, if I if I remember correctly, we're probably Zach is probably going to have a field day in editing with pointing out all the places I'm wrong. He loves to do that. <laughs> but if I remember correctly. The Bebop is the name of the ship that they travel on. Cowboy, the, they're on a spaceship. They're on a, they're on a spaceship. They travel on a spaceship. They're on a spaceship? Yeah, they're bounty hunters, and they're, on, they're in space. And so, like, the scene that takes place when uh, Spike is all bandaged up after the first fight with the mayor, um, and, and Faye, the woman, like, eats the orange that he's trying to get to, like, that's on a spaceship. Oh. And then he, like, takes a spaceship to the amusement park at the end. I was questioning that. I'm like, I'm like, wait, there's spaceships in this reality? So yes, I, I am, I am fairly certain that the ship, the main ship that they all travel on, our main characters, is called the Bebop. Oh, cowboy, cowboy is. I don't think it's called the cowboy Bebop. I think it's just the Bebop or something like Bebop and then another word or something like that. But cowboy is like a phrase or you know the term is used a lot in the series. And I think the end of the episode, you know, the end of a lot of episodes, you see the there's like a title card and at the very bottom of the screen it says, see a space cowboy. And that's like a quote from the first episode or something like that. And so that's where Cowboy Bebop comes from. Oh. Uh, yeah, okay, Zach is, Zach is getting, that as, as usually happens when I give Zach something he's never seen before, I give him a puzzle that's missing 75% of the pieces. Yeah, and then and then when we talk about it, he gets that other seventy five percent. And I'm glad, I'm glad he's he's accepting these puzzle pieces I'm giving him. Because in Perfect Hair Forever, he was like, 
if this is a quarter of the puzzle, I don't want to see the whole thing. No. <laughs> but yes, I, I'm fairly certain that is where Cowboy Bebop comes from. I know the name is also something we have to talk about, very much tied to the music that is behind this show. So something that Zach did not get, you don't get from watching one episode. Every episode is based off of um, a different genre of music, a different movement of music, a different style of, mu of music. You know, they don't really limit themselves to, to a strict category or, or things like that. Um, and, and this specific episode has always kind of been a point of debate for the, the Cowboy Bebop com community, in quotes. Because, you know, I, I think we said before, everything has a community, but we don't know who makes it up. Back when I watched Cowboy Bebop, I got really into it for the first time. I looked into this because I was really into the musical aspect of it. And basically the consensus is, uh, or the, the one that I, the category I fall into, is that this episode is carnival music, is theme park music, is video game music, and that type of stuff. Uh, certainly mimicked by the the last act of the episode which takes place in spaceland which is like an abandoned theme park so i just want to make sure that that happened in what you saw right we got yes you got the amusement park okay now i have to ask did you get the scene because this is the scene that i've been building up for zach when i've told him about this did you get the scene where spike shoots the shit out of a goofy animatronic yes i did get that scene what did you think of that scene zach I've been waiting so long. I've been waiting so long for Zach's <laughs> thoughts on this scene. Because this is... Let me let me put it to the audience. If you've never seen this episode, this fight is going on. It's the second fight between Piero and Spike. Spike is injured. Piero, we're learning, is this amazing killing machine. They're doing this all in an amusement park. And just for like 30 seconds, Spike decides to stop what he's doing, stop the fight, and just completely destroy an animatronic person in the park that is goofy. Like, it is goofy. There's no way you can't say that that is not, like, a characterization of goofy, right? It's off-brand It's off brand goofy. Off-brand goofy. That's a good way to put it. And so we just get a scene which is just gunshots after gunshots and kicks after punches on goofy. What do you think of this, Zach? Ah. Uh, I, I remember it, it does go on for a, a prolonged amount of time. But it, it worked in the sense of what was going on. Like, he's in an abandoned amusement park. He's in an unfamiliar setting. Or at least I guess he's in an unfamiliar setting. I don't know what goes on. I, I don't know the other adventures of Cowboy Bebop. I'm, I'm not losing that, by the way. Um, Mel Gibson's character in Payback is Payback. Um, so I don't know what the other adventures of Cowboy Bebop are. So for him, for Cowboy Bebop to shoot the goofy animatronic, it makes sense in what he's going through. He's in a... Like, like, I, again, it makes sense. Like I said, like, as I was watching this, I you, really... I, I thought you were going to come at me with, like, this is some giant kind of kind of gut punch to Disney or something. Like, I thought you were going to come at me with some, like, you know, some some real conspiracy type of stuff. You don't no, even get like, it? No, not really. Because I know, well, Disney is low-hanging fruit when it comes to uh, mocking theme parks. Yeah, um, what was that thing that Banksy did, Dismal Land or Dismay Land or whatever Dismay it was called? Land. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and like I said, it's low hanging fruit to make fun of Disney in the theme in theme parks. It's like fine, whatever. 
Okay. Um, no, I, 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 I thought I thought it was an interesting. I looked at it more as like an interesting setting. If I got anything from it, it reminded me not to make another Simpsons reference, but like the episode of Itchy and Scratchy Land. Like I got more of a vibe about that. Like this, like this oh, theme yeah. park that's like like this. Uh, oh my lord. Uh, Dis, dis disarray. I, I really. No. I, I'm not. I don't have any good idea about what you're trying to think. Oh, uh, like a, a dysfunctional. Okay, let me rephrase that. A dysfunctional Disney World, like I, like that, like a dysfunctional theme park. Maybe like, like a maybe like a Bizarro Disney World. No, it's not, it's not Bizarro about it. It seems like I don't even think it's abandoned. Like, I didn't get the vibe that it's abandoned. It just it's just closed. It's just non-operating hours, and it's just like, like a dysfunctional theme park. It just seems like it's just. Like there are weird things to it, but I think that might be be a more of a cultural thing. So I would imagine, like obviously, this is foreign animation. No, like I said, I, like, I okay. as I was watching okay. this, um, I know this is what this was produced like in the early two thousands. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I think it was late nineties, early two thousands when the uh, when we got the English tsunami version. I'm pretty sure. All right. Which is which is what you would have seen if you watched the one I gave you. No. So no, like, so I I didn't like, like as I was watching this. And this is funny considering the fact that Rob like, like it's funny when Rob picks out these things that he thinks are explicitly like weird. I'm like, there's something weird about this. This is quality quality <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> I, I feel like this is another conversation, much like the Breaking Bad grilled episode. Like I'm watching, I'm like, this is interesting. I'm like, you know what? Like unlike Perfect Hair Forever, where I'm like, oh my god, like like it's it's only four. T- I think it's like eleven minutes long, but I'm like, make it end. Make it end. Uh, <laughs> as I was watching this, I'm like, "This is neat." It's like, it's like, like there, there was like, I, usually when I put the Rob stuff on, um, there's one or two ways it can go. It can go with a, I'm intrigued, or b, what is he making me watch this time? <laughs> and this was definitely not a what is he making me watch this time. Like I'm like, okay, right. like, I'm on board. I'm like, I'm watching this. Um, I see the mayor of Halloween Town. He's shooting people up. Um, nice cowboy bebop in the Stay La Vie bar. He's playing pool. And then him and the mayor of Halloween Town go at it, and I'm like, this, like, okay, like it, it's a generic fight scene. Um, it feels very uh, reminiscent of like the Matrix. Song. I'm getting a very Matrixy vibe from it, but I think that goes for more what, what the Matrix was borrowing from at the time. And then like, okay, you have the whole thing where he's all bandaged up, and you have him talking to all his little cohorts. Um, I was kind of confused during a lot of that because they're talking, they're kind of just referencing things as a whole. I have like this, it's like, it's again, once again, I'm being deprived of context. Um, <laughs> but then he goes and takes his little, like his little red spaceship to the amusement park. And that entire like chase scene through, like chase sequence through the, it's longer than a scene, it's a sequence mm-hmm. um, throughout the theme park. I'm like, that's neat. Like I was a little disappointed that like when he's like riding the roller coaster, trying to shoot him, he gets like knocked off immediately. I wish that could, considering that I, I, I like, amusement parks is a setting um for unconventional things like, like having like a sh- like a surreal shootout in an amusement park i think that's a really novel idea mm-hmm. um because you don't think when you go to an amusement park the first thing you think of is safe and um <laughs> san- like, like, it's, like not safe as in like nothing bad will happen but like very sanitized fun like everything's controlled there's like i get a theme park there's no chaos. I'm like just everything thinking, is just so I'm orderly. Of, uh, Escape from tomorrow. That's like the last theme park experience I've had in like the last ten years. <laughs> oh man, Escape from tomorrow. I gotta get to that. Um, <laughs> no, but, but yeah, no. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I, as I was watching, I'm like this is neat. I'm like, like I, I, I find this like yeah, I find this a very novel concept, and I wish more things would would lead into this. What this is doing. Well, good. I'm glad I gave Zach something that he can enjoy. 
you know, I'm happy. I'm happy to bring back, bring Zach some uh, enjoyment rather than pain all the time. Even though that's what I was trying to do with Perfect Hair Forever. I don't know how he didn't enjoy that. Um, but good. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. So I do have some questions for you about what you thought about certain things in the episode. Um, but I want to jump back into it. I've already mentioned it. It's not something that I usually get to bring up. Uh, but the music with the things that we do, you know, I think in our Frank Ocean episode, of course, I got to talk about music all the time. Very briefly in the Fantastic Planet episode, I got to talk about the music in there, how I thought it was referenced by a more recent recent artist. Um, but like I mentioned before, Cowboy Bebop is very music inspired. Uh, every episode is kind of based off a different musical style, genre, etc. And the music in every episode is fantastic. One thing that stands out, I think, and will always stand out and be one of the biggest selling points of Cowboy Bebop is its intro theme. Did the version you watch have the intro theme and with the credits and stuff at the beginning, Zach? I believe it did, but I, it, it did not resonate with me because I don't remember it. Okay. Like, I, know it, I know it was there, but I don't remember hearing any of the music and be like, ah! Man, well, Zach has said before on this podcast that he's tone deaf. He's not the person to go to for music. So, you know, we're we're not using his experience I, as evidence. I, I, I would like, as much like uh, the Breaking New Ground theme, I would like to introduce a new, a new uh, audio segment. Every time Rob brings up that I have no um, grasp of music, <laughs> I'd like to play a 10-second clip of one of my favorite songs. So we're going to play that right now. Okay, Bingo. I hated that. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> okay, um, so the music in Cowboy Bebop, since I, I won't, I won't harp on it too much with Zach, since you know he's he probably had different music playing in the background during this, uh, since he had subtitles. Um, but the music is phenomenal. the The opening theme song of Cowboy Bebop, um, I believe it is called Tank, just Tank with an exclamation mark. This has been covered by so many artists ever since Cowboy Bebop has started. Um, it is completed or done by someone, a wonderful artist named Yoko Kano. She also does a lot of the music for the show, and it is amazing. Tank is a great song. Tank is so good that I even have it on like my phone. I keep all my music locally. I don't use any of those streaming services. I'm against streaming music. I think you should have the files. And this is one of the files I have on there, and it is great. Um, so the music didn't stand out for you, Zach. You weren't you were more enthralled in the visuals of the mayor fighting Cowboy yes. Bebop. Yes, the, the, the only time the music really resonated with me was at the very end, where obviously he throws the the dagger at the mayor of Halloween Town's uh, leg, and you had a little parade like walk over him. Yeah, like like th that, like ha like that, I, I, like that stood out to me because you just have this like this very simple carnival theme playing. It's like this like this carnival march almost that's playing, yes. and, and there's a like, slight oh. envelope over it. There's a slight wavering tone to it. You know, it's, it's not just like this is car this is perfect carnival music. I feel I feel like sometimes it dips down, like it loses intonation, it gains intonation. You know, it's like do 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 do. Like, it's a little wobbly and a little weird. It's great. Let's party! 
Yeah, I said that definitely uh, that hit okay. that hit a chord nice. with me. Nice. Uh, but other than that, um, I know I knew there was music over the credits. Mm-hmm. The music was different though, but I know that for a lot for a few my my very little times I've dabbled in anime, I know credits seem to be a very uh, bombastic with credits. Like whereas with like uh, U.S. television, end credits really aren't given much to do with, considering that we play commercials over end credits. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- I know with a lot of anime, they do do that. They play more bombastic end credits themes. Yeah, they change it up. Yes. So um, no, like I, I noticed there was music at the end. Um, I noticed it was there, but I couldn't tell you much more beyond that. Okay. Well, well then I'm guessing that you did not notice something that uh, dawned on me for the first time. I've been watching this, so to put this in perspective, uh, the first time I watched Cowboy Bebop was in my freshman year of my undergrad. So this was probably late 2010 was the first time I watched Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is only 26 episodes in a movie, so I basically blasted through it pretty quickly because I fell in love with it so so imme- so immediately. Um, and something that stood out to me in this viewing was something I've never noticed before in all the years since I've seen this. Uh in the episode, we have, through a series of flashbacks, we gain the knowledge that the mayor of Halloween Town is a created killing machine. Like, he is a genetic experiment. He is someone who was taken and basically altered to be a, a hitman, a murderer. And when we get this scene, um, it starts off very kind of strangely where there's just cuts of different things. You know, it's cuts of his eyes and the cat's eyes. You remember what I'm talking about, Zach, when it's oh, like in the yes. laboratory setting? He it's does when not we like cats. St- yeah, it's when we start to get that backstory to this villain, you know, and, and what this fucking balloon man is, is doing and why he's just killing people. And in that sequence, there is a scene of a hallway. The camera starts, well, it's not, you know, the... The, the shot starts on, like, uh, the ceiling, and it moves down to show our, our villain, Piero LeFou, being carried, being dragged along, like, into a, into a rubber room or something like that. And the music that plays, the music that plays during this scene, this one specific scene, it's, it's very strange. It's kind of like ghostly whines. Like, it's... Like, that's my impression of it. We're going to have a clip right here. But this music is identical to the intro to the song Disappear by Dream Theater off of their album Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. So my first question is, Zach, do you remember Dream Theater? Pull me under. Yes! Pull me under. This is, I am so, I am so excited under. to talk I'm not about this. I am so excited. Zach and I literally under. found out about Dream Theater at the same time. Zach and I's start of knowing about Dream Theater was ba- basically simultaneous. It was the release of Guitar Hero World Tour 
Because when Guitar Hero World Tour came out, everybody was like, what's the final song going to be? You know, what's the song that you, you have to play during the credits? Because what came out before Guitar Hero World Tour, what was the song for the credits? Through the Fire and the Flames. And that has the credit of being the hardest song in Guitar Hero ever. Even though it's not, it's Jordan by Buckethead on Guitar Hero 2. Of course it is. Of course it is. See, Zach knows. Everybody was like, what's the credit song going to be? And everybody was disappointed. Everybody was disappointed because it was Pull Me Under by Dream Theater. I had never heard of Dream Theater, and I heard this song, and I fell in love with Dream Theater. Dream Theater was my favorite band for quite some time. I would say there was a good, like, three-year period. Dream Theater was my favorite band. I still love them. I think they lost their heart and soul when Mark Mike Portnoy left back in 2014, I think. I was very sad about that. I've seen them since, and, you know, really, it, there's something different now. The Astonishing was, was a change in pace for sure, but before they were different, before Mike Portnoy left, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence came out. Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence is two discs. One disc, of course, is the giant song, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. I think it's an hour-long song. The other disc is the other tracks that they have. Wonderful songs such as Misunderstood. That's a fantastic song. And we also have Disappear. And the beginning of Disappear is identical to this little segment of this episode of Cowboy Bebop. We're going to play these clips right now, but this doesn't even do it justice because it doesn't matter. I could point out to you and be like, we're going to do the Cowboy Bebop first and the Dream Theater second, but there's no difference. They are identical. And here's the thing. I cannot find any, any source that has any connection between these two. Because the first thing I thought was, oh, you know, someone from Dream Theater saw this. They loved it. They liked that sound. They sampled it. That happens in music all the time. But I cannot find any indication of this. So I think we have on our hands... A fantastic, something I search for all the time. I won't, Zach has been spraying me with battery acid for the last five minutes, so I won't get off into this. But it's a wonderful, glorious, musical coincidence where two artists came up with the same thing independently of each other. What do you think, Zach? Did you pick up on this? Do you agree with what I said? Do you still listen to Dream Theater? I have so many questions. (laughs) Pull me under, pull me under. I take that as a yes to the last. Pull me under, I'm not afraid. Down, down. Pull me under. Funny you mention Dream Theater. Everyone's. It's funny because like, like you know, we played uh, Guitar Hero World Tour a lot in our junior year of high school. I I was never fond of that song. Like overly fond. Like it was. Like I preferred it. It was the the other songs on that set list. But like ever considering that that game's now almost ten years old. Like once every like two and a half to three years, that song will just randomly pop into my head, and I have to listen to it once, and I don't think about it again for two and a half, three years. Every once in a while, Dream Dream Theater comes across my path, and I don't know why. And every single time someone brings up, first thing that comes to my mind is. Pull me under, pull me under, pull me under, I'm not afraid. It's like a 14 minute long song, <laughs> 15 seconds is all I've pulled from it over the years. Okay, Zach, it's it's 12 minutes, first of all. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but okay, uh, so did you pick up 
on in this? Did you did you get this dream theater? Did you were did you jump out of your seat and you, were you like, oh my god? Did you have the same reaction I did when you heard this? Of course, after Cowboy Bebop, um, the Mayor of Halloween Town, Dream Theater was third on my list. This is no so in in complete seriousness. Um, this is something I'm really intrigued by. Uh, this is something I really, really like. That there, there's seemingly no connection between these two things, but they are literally the identical clip of sound. Like this is this is really cool to me. How, how uh, do you not know that they just didn't sample it? No, no. So that's the thing. That's the most reasonable explanation. But yeah. the music industry and and record labels, when samples are used. There are very strict laws and formalities about giving credit where credit is due. And there is no connection here. There's no recorded connection here. Yeah. In, the, in the liner notes, in, in this, that, the other thing. Um, so the, the one case, uh, I guess the way I should put this, is that in the music industry, when samples go uncredited, it is, it is not unknown. Like it becomes a major deal that it it went uncredited that someone got away with this, and because no one has been talking about this, I think that it it really is a musical coincidence. There's this <laughs> song that I've I've been listening to. I don't know if it's a band or it's a person. Maybe it's a Cowboy Bebop. I'm not entirely <laughs> certain. It's by I don't know. It's a woman or it's a band. I don't know. Called Foxes, and it's this song called Body Talk, and there's a. Part of the song, it's funny to bring this up because I've only noticed, I, I, I noticed it when I first started listening to this song. It's only been maybe like a month, a half ago. Um, and the song is obviously sampling the, the ghosty sound from The Shining. We're going to do a rob and we're going to insert the clips here. clips all at once um we're doing a zach zach music choice a breaking ground and we're doing something from a movie and all these three clips not that not not the breaking new ground but the two clips of the song i just played and the shining they're this it's clearly being sampled or at the very least it's a facsimile homage okay and I would imagine if I looked into the like, – this is going to be your homework between now and whenever this episode goes out, like in September. Yeah, yeah. You could, you could, you're going to look up and tell me because you know you know to look for these things. I would imagine whoever was the writer or the producer of this song did not credit Wendy Carlos from The Shining for the, for the uh, sampling. I, it would not be the – considering that – what's his name? Um, Growing Pains Man's son and Pharrell Williams – sampled 
You've heard about that. What's his Who name? Is Pharrell? Growing Pains Man. Growing <laughs> Pains Man's son. What's his name? Thicky. Alan. Oh, oh Alan. Alan. Alan Thick. Yeah, Thickey? Alan Thick's son. Alan Thick's son and Pharrell Williams had the song about rape. And like, oh, like I know you want lines. it. Blurred lines. Yeah, the rape song. And and they and they and who and God, who's the one they I keep I hear about it every once in a while I, I comes across my uh, I remember my yeah I remember that but that's an example of what I was saying that it gets known like if you try know, and that song became it was like a, like a Billboard top one hundred like a song like that's the only way this stuff gets noticed I would imagine that the Japanese producers or Cowboy Bebop have no idea who Dream Theater is I would imagine there's like a little Venn diagram. And we're going to say the phrase that pays. There's Cowboy Bebop and there's Dream Theater fans. I would imagine there's very little overlap in the phrase that pays except for Rob. And he's <laughs> right in that little, 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 itty, bitty, bitty, little overlap in the Venn diagram. No, I think they're the same. I think they're one and the same. I think they're no, the same absolutely set. not. Yeah, absolutely I mean, not. how many Dream Theater concerts have you been to, Zach? I- Next time you go to a Dream Theater con- concert, I want you to go poll the people and ask how many of them are Cowboy Bebop fans. I will see. There's problems with that, Zach. <laughs> like I said at the start, Dream Theater now is different from Dream Theater back then. Okay, okay. I got my homework. I got my homework. We'll we'll see how it goes. Hey kids, Rob was able to find a credit to Polymorphia by Krasistov Pendrecki on the Fox's album All I Need, which contains the song Body Talk. Polymorphia is certainly featured in The Shining, but it is not the source of the specific clip Zach played for us before. Uh, but we got some clips in there, that's good. This is gonna be, this is gonna be a nightmare to edit. You gonna, you're gonna love it. <laughs> you did the Book of Henry, you could do anything. <laughs> but yes, that is... Uh, the music, the music of Cowboy Bebop is fantastic, and now I even have a, an unrelated musical connection to Dream Theater and Cowboy Bebop. I love those types of bridges. That is everything I want to talk about with music with this episode, and I'm guessing that's everything you wanted to talk about with music with this episode. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess we have to move on then. I guess we have to move on uh, to the lines in this episode. Because specifically, there's one character I thought that you would have brought up by now, but it is the character of Ed. Name is Ed. Edward. Ed. Uh, This is the computer hacker. So you know how they, they, to get the info on the assassin, on the mayor, uh, they they have to, like, hack into the the thing, and there's, like, the little password access denied scene. And so the, the, the person that does that is named Ed. Do you remember? Do you know who I'm talking about? No. No, the one with the dog. The one who gets the email? Oh, the kid. The kid, yeah, I guess the kid is... It's not a kid in the show, that's why I didn't say kid, but I guess the kid is a good way to put it. The youngest looking out of all the characters we see. Yes, that's that's why I assumed this. Well, I guess in Japanese or in anime, every uh, female is meant to either look voluptuous or look six, (laughs) so I I, I guess so. So is, is Ed the one who is six or voluptuous? Um, that's up to the viewer to, to, to well, no, out. Uh, in your opinion, that's what I'm asking. Oh, no, six years old. Six years old? Okay, the other one was the voluptuous one, the one who ate Spike's orange? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. Her breasts are extremely pronounced. Extremely pronounced. It's like, imagine if your body was constantly statically charged, and any <laughs> shirt you wear would cling to you, and show off all your features. That's the whole series. Her name's Faye. Faye Valentine. 
I'm pretty sure. Of, of, of course it is. And and she just looks like that. Like, her body is just a static charge 100% of the time. But anyway, Ed. Ed is the character, I guess the little kid character, is, as Zach knows it as. Um, Ed is a character, the computer hacker, uh, that says everything twice. So, I don't know if you picked up on this. Like when I when did she, pick up on that. Yeah, that how can weird. you not pick up on it? This is where we get some of our best lines, not only from this episode, but I think from Cowboy Bebop, like just the juxtaposition of a character who is so high pitched in tone and so repetitive and so kind of irrelevant. Like Ed's voice doesn't matter too much in the series. What Ed says doesn't have much consequence. What Ed does is very important. And so like we get a scene where Faye is smoking, like she's got a cigarette we're going to talk about cigarettes in this show in a little bit. And for no reason, Ed's like, Fei-Fei, smoke, smoke, Fei-Fei, puff, puff, Fei-Fei. Fei-Fei, smoke, smoke, Fei-Fei, puff, puff, Fei-Fei. My name's Fei, not Fei-Fei. You just say it once, okay? Like, that is crazy. Just to throw this in in the middle of the episode, and it has nothing to do with anything. And, Zach, do you know what the response from Fei is? I'm guessing that's a no from Zach. But it's one of the best meta lines you can ever have. Faye is like, my name is just Faye. Say it once. <laughs> it's great. We also get to hear Ed uh, repeat when someone, I think Faye calls Spike a lunkhead. And we get to hear Faye go, lunkhead, lunkhead, lunkhead. That's great. That's some great stuff. I, I'm kind of wishing I had the English dub right now. I know. See, Zach, if you just followed my instructions and, and, and did what I told you to do, you'd be a better person. Zach is like, I'm so glad we, we are miles, we are time zones apart. <laughs> um, so Ed gets us a lot of the good lines. There is one other line that we get from Jet. Uh, so Jet Black is the guy who actually like gets a lot of the background information on the, on the mayor. Um, but when he's explaining that the the assassin has the mind of a child, he has he says the line, "There's nothing more pure and cruel as a child." He doesn't say as the mind of a child. He says a child. child. He says straight up, "There's nothing more pure and cruel as a child." Zach, I would like your opinion on this. What do you think? Do you do you agree or disagree? That there is nothing more pure and cruel as a child. Uh, I, I, I noticed that line too. <laughs> I found that peculiar. But at the same time, I don't know. I just again a lot of this. I just I just chalk up to the cultural barrier. Like I, I just get this. Like I said, I I don't know. Like, like I said, I don't know who like who wrote this show. Like, like was it a bunch of men? Was it a bunch of? I'm guessing it had to be a bunch of men. <laughs> but it's it's like I don't know like so that yes that it, I picked up on that too, but I don't see how like, I figure okay is is that just semantics the mind of because usually when people say it's like, there's nothing more dangerous than the mind of a like blank and then, like yep. then you hear them and you hear the absence of that and you're like oh that's weird <laughs> so, yeah it, it is a jarring line because it's it's unconventional considering how um, archaic the typical line is. Mm-hmm. But I didn't read it into it much more than it just being initial, just like a brief moment of it being jarring. Okay, Zach. Zach, can I say? Uh, can I tell you? Can uh, I tell you one uh, thing, Zach? Uh-uh. 
that was the that was the perfect politician answer. You said words, but you didn't answer my question. I agree with everything you said. Yes, maybe you didn't look into it that much. Maybe maybe X Y Z. You know, it is jarring. All that stuff. But on the spot, on the spot, if you got a little kid, there's a little kid that you've never seen before, and you're just like, oh, there's a little kid there. Do you think pure and cruel? That's what I want to know. I think everybody's cruel and evil, but that's just me. So, so you're saying yes that even the little kid is, is pure and cruel? If because the little kid is everybody, right? I guess so. <laughs> Rob doesn't. Rob doesn't like it when I'm indecisive. Like Rob, I, Rob does not like him when I when I give um short indecisive answers, but he hates it when I give long winded indecisive no, answers. Zach, Zach is in. Like in, I dance around the question. No, no, Zach's going to run for office one day, and he just doesn't want to say anything decisive so anyone can trace it back to him. He wants to be able to point at everything in his past and say it's double speak. Like, I think that's what <laughs> Zach, is, Zach is doing right here. Zach Every doesn't want to make any judgment about a child. I'll give you my judgment. This is true. Children are cruel. I don't know about pure, but children are fucking cruel. Maybe the most cruel things out there. So I think I think that's a yes. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Zach's like, oh, what, what a shock. <laughs> Rob has an opinion on something? A controversial <laughs> opinion on something? Water is wet? Grass is we're, green? We're breaking ground. <laughs> there it is again. That would be like where we need the breaking breaking ground sound in reverse or something. <laughs> What's the okay. opposite of breaking ground? Um, building ground. <laughs> now that's a non-answer. <laughs> okay well that that was the last of my uh well i actually do have one more line i should say uh, wow. uh can i give a can i give a little peek behind the curtains this was supposed to be a transition episode into theme park movies that is no longer the case i believe but who knows this episode might never even be released <laughs> um but zach do you remember the last line of dialogue of this episode I remember the little the, the parade, but I don't remember I, I, I don't remember the exact line of dialogue. Screen, the screen fades to black, and Spike, having just survived the battle, um, he gets a call from Jet, who Jet's like, "You have to know this about about the assassin," and he's like, "Forget about it." Hangs up the phone. Screen fades to black, and Spike says, "I hate theme parks." Oh. So, so that was another favorite line of mine because this was supposed to be a transition. Um, but Zach is basically the destroyer of dreams. Uh, he, he likes to build me up and break me down. That's what we're learning here. <laughs> okay, that was my that was my uh, my lines in the episode. The great dialogue that Zach did not get to experience. When do we get to voice actors? Zach, you're jumping the gun. <laughs> you can't. You're not allowed to do that. You're what not snack allowed do we, to. What do snack that? do we eat during this? Is you're it a cinematic? Do that. Is it no. time to play the reverse intro backwards? <laughs> Every episode from here on out is just going to be a minute long. We're still going to record <laughs> everything as as usual, but we're going to play it all over each other in a minute. And that's going to be every episode. That's what Zach wants, apparently. Everything just happening at once. No, can we can we talk about the animation in this episode? That's the next thing I want to ask you about. Can we? So the best snack to eat during this <laughs> is I think it's an orange or a tangerine. I didn't narrow it down. It looks no, like an orange, but no, it could be a tangerine. You can't skip. <laughs> if, you go, if you go to snacks, we skip voice acting, and that's not allowed. We got to talk about the animation. 
and you you touched on it already, Zach. You said you were enthralled. You were so into it that you were, I think, mesmerized was the word you used. Um, and that is something that I, I really, really liked, not just about this episode, but about Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop, you know, like I said, I watched it back in my freshman year undergrad. Uh, this was something that kind of opened my eyes to animation, um, kind of how how crisp and smooth animation could be. I didn't have much experience with animation prior to Cowboy Bebop and anime um, also. Uh, but this really kind of opened my eyes to, to different things that could be done. And this episode stands out to me in that respect as well, because as Zach said, he gets kind of a Matrix vibe from it. I think this was really the first place I ever saw that in animation. I had seen the Matrix, I think, prior to this, but this kind of blew my mind with how fluid they were able to depict it in the episode. And and something that I have to comment on, um, we mentioned Book of Henry, I mentioned Book of Henry already, where he, he either broke or came close to breaking the 180 degree rule. This is one of the episodes that I have frequently read about as kind of an, a textbook example of the 180 degree rule. And it makes it so, so beautiful to watch, Zach. It's so pleasing to watch people who know how to construct scenes, isn't it? Right. No, I, I enjoy the animation. Usually, I, could, I, I don't know. Again, much like I've told my story in the past where people come up to me. Are you a fan of anime now that I've gotten you to watch this anime? Eh, like I said, like, <laughs> this was not Breaking Bad level where I'm like, like, uh, okay. like I'm intrigued. But like, it's like, okay, like, this is neat. But considering the fact that from what I've heard so far, this episode is um, uncharacteristically not what this show was supposed to be. Yes, um, I, it, it would make me probably steer a little away from it. Okay. Well, speaking of anime, and speaking of your your disinterest, or maybe you know just lack of experience Apathy. with anime. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with anime, uh, you of course remember Naruto, though, right? Remember I, Naruto? Yeah, in, name, in name. In only. name, yes, in name. It was one of those tsunami ones that was really popular. Bleach. Yeah, yeah. It was on the Inuyasha. Inuyasha. Oh. Um, Trigun, Trigun was another big one. Uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, I really liked Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, but anyway, uh, you remember Hamtaro Nar- anime? Is what anime? Hamtaro. Hamtaro. Excuse me while I work out, gotta run in my wheel. Wee! Hamtaro's here to help you. remember that right i remember yeah i remember hamtaro i like you saying hamtaro has given me nom flashbacks of hamtaro and i don't know if i can the effectively ham-hams. talk about it <laughs> is that what they were called uh the ham hams i think so this ham is delicious <laughs> can, we insert, can, we, can we insert a clip of that right here mm, this ham is great i think every episode we we record from here on out will have the ham clip the ham scenario in it <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Naruto. Um, so the last point on animation I have to bring up is um, I bring up Naruto because this is something I'm, I'm sure Zach does not know about. I'm sure he's not in the circles to know about this. Uh, when the Naruto anime first aired, uh, one of the first story arcs in the Naruto kind of canon is them training for some next level ninja status. And so, you know, this is when Rock Lee fights Gara, one of the greatest fights in literary history you know remove the video from it it's a it's a great written piece of of material um 
and in that sequence, in that uh, story arc, you get Naruto fighting Neji. And Neji is a, is a ninja, Naruto's a ninja, and they have a hand-to-hand combat sequence. And when this came out, someone was like, they ripped off Cowboy Bebop. And very famously, there's a, there's a video or a GIF or a GIF or a WebM or whatever the fuck they are these days where they have a scene from Cowboy Bebop on the left, they have the scene from Naruto on the right, and the characters are, it's literally identical. Like, they, they completely mimicked a fight scene in Cowboy Bebop in this episode of Naruto. And, of course, this became big news. They were like, oh, my God. Like, this is, this is basically the B-roll of animation. Like, they just took someone else's sketches and put different characters around it. But Naruto animators swear it is an homage. Uh, I'm, like I said, I assume Zach has never heard of this. Have you ever heard of this? No. No. What do you think? Just for me telling you, homage? Sample? Ripoff? What would? How would your response? What would your response be to that? Uh, probably somebody cutting corners. But the same. That's what, but I, the, that's what I. It's a B roll, you know, because that's yeah. how animation gets done. They do the skeletons without the detail, and then they fill in all the nonsense later when they're storyboarding. Were these both hand drawn or were they computer? Uh, ooh, Cowboy Bebop definitely hand. Naruto, I'm not sure to be honest. Good question. I know nowadays, like, t- like everybody, like I think it's funny. Everyone talks about like being an animator with like modern day. Like being an animator, in modern day requires no talent. You just type into the computer what you want the character to do, and it does it for them. Um, there's no <laughs> talent in being an animator these days, other than maybe character design, um, and designing like backgrounds. But like, like designing anima- spiky hair. Well, of course, when it comes to <laughs> anime. But like I said, today, like animation of the last like 20 years, like you, you. I would even, eh, maybe not even that, 15 years, I'd say, 15 years. Um, at least in the 21st century, it requires no talent. You just you type into the computer. It's like, I love it when you see like things like like, like uh, these new like animated films. It's like, oh, this costs $200 million. I'm like, what? You just type <laughs> it in the computer and you tell it what to do. It's not hard. It's um, because software licenses are so expensive. <laughs> I believe that. And plus you're paying for, and I would imagine everyone's getting a nice salary for doing that. Yeah. Um, so like I said, no, like, I, I don't know. It depends. Um, it sounds like someone cutting corners and, and leave it to um, um, anal retentive fans or just overly nitpicky fans to pick up on something like that. Yes. I think that can be said for any fan base. Yeah, that's that's kind of my, my initial reaction when I first uh, saw this, when I was you know getting into Cowboy Bebop and reading about it and the history of it. And this popped up, of course, because it was so popular. Um, I was like, I never would have noticed that. Like, what percent of the viewing population really would have noticed that and taken issue with it? Like, the only reason it became popular is because one person found out about it. And that that is, you know, I'm not discrediting it. I've seen it. I believe it. But it's kind of like, whenever, whenever you get information, it's like, does this change my life? That's a question you should ask yourself. And that didn't change my life. I was like, eh, cutting corners. That's probably a good way to put it, like you said. But yeah, I, I still think it's interesting, though, that there's something so identical that, you know, these two animes ha- have basically the same fight scene at different points in their series. Cool stuff. There's something I want to talk about that I don't think I get to talk about enough on this podcast. That every time I talk about it, you either shut me down or you edit uh, it out. Uh, and, and, you know, and so, so it's, it's something that I really think the audience has never got to hear that I would really like for them to hear. 
Can I can I go on? Can I can I give this segment? Can I do this? I'm taking taking your I'm, 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 yes. I'm, get, I'm getting the spritz bottle out. He's getting the spritz bottle. It's been out, folks. Don't let him trick you. It's voice acting. I want to talk about voice acting, Zach. I want to talk about voice acting. I'm gonna do it. This is a pretty short one. This is another pretty short one. You know, just like Perfect Hair Forever, because uh, this is a short series. They don't have a lot of guests, and we only did one episode. And Zach, I'm not trying to. I don't know, kill you? I think every time I do voice acting, you feel like you're dying inside. I'm so I, I limited. I think, I think I'm dying inside. <laughs> Zach takes the spray bottle, turns the spray bottle on himself when I do the voice acting. Um, but no, I limited myself to only the voice acting in this episode. So that I that's a little better, right? Oh man, he's showing some restraint. I'm <laughs> some willpower. That's uh, that's that's rare for me. Okay, so we have to start with the man, Spike Siegel. He did all of Spike's Cowboy Bebop for Zach. Uh, he did all of his voice for the English dub on Toonami. Steve Blum. Steve Blum is a prolific voice actor. Steve Blum has done various voices uh, for Regular Show. I think we've mentioned Regular Show on here before. Uh, he's Tank Dempsey. From Call of Duty Black Ops Zombies. He's the American in the group of zombies. I, I, I'm very happy to announce I think we have hit three out of the four voice actors. Uh, the only one we're missing is Nolan North from the team of the, the Call of Duty Black Ops Zombies. But we'll get to him. We'll get to him, Zach. Uh, Zach's not even there, I bet. Uh, Steve Blum is Prompto from Final Fantasy XV. That's really cool. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters from Final Fantasy XV. And he does various voices for Star Wars Rebels. Yes, Zach I saw that. Oh, look, look. I got Zach interested in voice acting. Someone does Star Wars. Isn't this cool, Zach? Zach is He on. does Zeb. He does Zeb. So I didn't look into the full details, but um, I figured Zach would be here with, to fill him in, and he's Zeb. Who's Zeb? Can Zeb is one of the characters. He's the Chewbacca of Star Wars Rebels, except he's he can the talk. Chew so not Mala or or Lumpy? No. Zeb? Damn. I want Mala. For the record, okay. even though this episode will be coming out roughly two months after Solo, a Star Wars story comes out, <laughs> um, I'm going to break the fourth wall here. Rob, when you go see Solo, a Star Wars story the next two weeks by yourself, um, and, Mala yes. is in, and Mala is in the movie, what are you going to do? Wait, wait. Is she going to be in the movie? Pretty like, are, they gonna, are they going to reference this, the holiday Pretty sure Chewbacca's wife is in the movie. And it's canon that it's Mala. This changes my whole game plan <laughs> with, the, with the going beforehand. If, if this is like, if we're guaranteed, I'm going to only talk about the Christmas special when I'm tailgating <laughs> for this. Like, I'm going to be like, this is, the, this is the lens through which I'm viewing this movie is the holiday special. My expectation is that I will feel out the audience. Uh, but my hope is that I will be able to get pretty loud during this movie. <laughs> that is my hope. So if if Mala's in this, I get loud, and everybody I talk to while standing in line understands why I got loud. I was, I was you just curious. Made me, you made me more interested in seeing this movie now. I didn't know that they were going to reference the... Which makes sense, though, because Chewbacca... I, I mean, I'd be fucking Amelia Clark. She's gonna, she's gonna be Mala. She would be the best Mala. She could, just, she could just groan, and I would believe her better as a, as a. 
What she's are they too called? short. She's like what are they called? Four, are they, she's like four nine. Species? The Wookies. The Wookies. She's a Wookie. But she's like four nine. She can't be a Wookie. So she's a fucking midget Wookie. <laughs> what do you want? We okay. Star Wars, like you say, you have said to me in the past, Zach. Star Wars has a fucking checkbox, and they're like, did we get every little minority? Did we get all the diversity quotas? Well, where's the midget Wookie? <laughs> Where's that checkbox? There we go. Amelia Clark's going to grunt at the camera, and it's going to be the midget Wookiee. That's my prediction for the movie. The day after the, the review embargo was lifted, I have a prediction final. <laughs> That's going to be the cold open to the solo review featuring Rob. That's going to be the cold open. Zach, Zach has oh done. My God. Zach has oh done a fantastic God. job at distracting me from the voice acting. I know this was his plan all along. Oh, good lord! I have more. Vo- we got through one voice actor. We got through Steve Blum. You know who's next? Bo Billingsley. Bo Billingsley is the voice of Jet Black. He is the head of the of the bounty hunters. He is the one in the episode we watched that gets all the info about the assassin. Um. He is Barrett. He is Barrett in every single incarnation of Final Fantasy VII that has voice actors. So, of course, the first Final Fantasy VII did not have voice actors. It was all text and just music. Uh, but when they did, you know, Final Fantasy's, uh, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, when they did Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus, and they needed voice actors, Bo Billingsley is Barrett. Does this, does this make any sense to you, Zach? Sure. Bo Billingsley Barrett has a gun for a hand. The other thing that I found is that Bo Billingsley was on Murder, She Wrote. Have we ever talked about Murder, She Wrote on this podcast? Uh, not recently. Not, not, we have before? <laughs> I'm leaving the door open, just in case. Okay, I don't remember. I thought this would be a breaking ground scenario. Murder, no. She Wrote, great. Uh, Murder, She Wrote, of course, everybody knows, is a series about Angela Lansbury. Um, she has the mystical ability to cause other people to commit murder wherever she goes, and that's what the series follows. And she writes about it. She capitalizes on her supernatural ability to cause murder and hate in people uh, to be a writer. We'll get to it. We'll get to Murder, She Wrote. You know who's next? Wendy Lee. So it's not Wendy. It is when, W-E-N, space, D, D-E-E, Lee. When D. Lee. This is the voice actor for Faye Valentine, the one who is a literal embodiment of a static charge. She's also in Kiki's Delivery Service. She does a bunch of the voices in Kiki's Delivery Service. Have you ever seen that, Zach? I have not. That's a Studio Ghibli movie, uh, very much like Spirited Away. Not as good as Spirited Away, in my opinion, uh, but very similar. Uh, she's Lena and Bulma from Dr- Dragon Ball Z. You remember Dragon Ball Z? Speaking of anime? I never watched that. Okay, Zach's weird. Uh, she's she's Lena and Bulma. And something that blew my mind. Wendy Lee is the moon in Adventure Time. So in Adventure Time, there is a, a, a miniseries, an eight-episode arc, where Marceline's main vampire enemies come back to life, and basically the main characters have to fight them off while trying to protect Marceline. And there is one vampire that has the ability to regenerate. Like, if you damage her, she regenerates immediately. She's basically the Wolverine or Deadpool of the Adventure Time universe. This voice is scary. 
Like, this is the gruffest, like, blah, 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 blah. like, that is the voice of this character. You run in the path of my light. That's her voice? How can you lead me when I am your guide? Are you being literal or allegorical? <laughs> me no light! Roger, run! But she said I'm running in her life! Who gives a dog? Just go! And it is the same person who voices Faye Valentine and Lena and Bulma and the Kiki's delivery voice, delivery service people. It is crazy. Ed, you remember Ed? You remember the kid that I was telling you about? This yeah. is the voice of Melissa Fawn. Melissa Fawn is not a prolific voice actor, but when she does provide her voice, she is fantastic. She had many roles in Final Fantasy Type Zero which, of course, not one of the main games. It was a PS Vita game at the start, I believe, which branched out uh, when they made it for the, available for the PlayStation Network. She did a lot of voices for that. It's a great game, a uh, great small game. She did a wonderful voice acting job for it in tons of roles. But she was also Gaz in Invader Zim. She is Dib's sister. You, you remember Invader Zim? I think you Very told good. me once Invader Zim... Uh, scared you, and you never watched it again. Yes, I, I found Vader Skim, uh, Zim very scary. In, well, she is Gaz. Gaz is a great character. Uh, when we get to Invader Zim on this show, one of the episodes I have lined up features her pretty prominently. And I'm very excited that we got to see her in another performance. The last one I got for you, Zach, is, of course, the voice of Perot, of the mayor, of our assassin. His name is Banjo Ginga. Banjo Ginga is this guy's name. I think once you told me someone's name like Gugu Mbafafwawe or something like that. And you were like, that's their name. Here's my, here's my response. This is the weird name that I found that I just can't believe. Banjo Ginga. That's like a, a great that's name. Like, that's like the name of a, like, sup, like, a, like a supplement, like a vitamin that you would buy at Rite Aid. You'd be like, oh, I can get my Banjo Ginga supplement, right? Anyway, Sounds this, delicious. Is the, this is the voice of Perot, and the only, the only other voice acting credit I could find for this person that related to our universe, Zach, because of course I'm always trying to find things that both of us can appreciate. Uh-huh. I can't even, I can't even say that with a straight face. This is the voice of Clayton, the enemy in Tarzan World of Kingdom Hearts. Oh, now, now another peek behind the curtains. A few weeks back, Zach bought Kingdom Hearts, the remakes, the PS4 ones, the 1.5 and 2.5, uh, and he started playing them. Zach, have you gotten to Tarzan World? No, I'm still on the beach. Zach, you shouldn't admit that on air. No. <laughs> You're still on the beach. Zach hasn't even made it to Traverse Town, but when one day Zach gets to, Clay- to Tarzan World, Deep Jungle, as it's called, the villain, of course, is Clayton. Clayton is the villain. He wants to hunt the gorillas in the Tarzan movie as well. And in Kingdom Hearts, it is voiced by the guy who voices Perot LeFou. Banjo Ginga. Isn't that cool? Zach, how are you not just in awe? Well, no. Is that what it is? Every time I go on my voice acting rants, you just kind of get glassy-eyed and start to drool because you're amazed by all these connections I'm making? Yes, it, it, it's, it's all drool. Okay, that good, good. I'm glad Zach is not dismissing it. He's just in awe of what I'm doing. That's it. That's all I got for the voice acting. Thank you. Right. Thanks for letting me finally talk about that. All Zach. right. So moving on to my favorite segment. What snack do we eat during this film, Rob? Cigarettes. 
<laughs> like All eat them, right. like chew them, no, smoke them. No, no, whatever. No, 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 you're not topping that. You're not. You're not nothing we say after that's gonna top that line. Wait, wait no, right. you gotta give your answer. No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. As, no, my answer should the, omit your answer. No, oh, no, as I'm the sorry. Snack master. The connoisseur contacts. Don't say it. And Don't say it. The Don't Lego say it. maniac. I'm about to break my TV. <laughs> I cannot, as the snack master, I cannot top eating a cigarette as a snack. <laughs> I cannot top that. Sitting, watching Cowboy Bebop, and eating cigarettes. <laughs> I, I cannot top that. Okay, I you'll mean, you'll probably get sick to your stomach, but it's worth it because you'll be going through the same pain as the mayor of Halloween Town as he is stabbed in the leg. You will be you will be sharing his suffering. So as Zach, you consume the cigarette, when you watch this episode, are you telling me that you did not get the overwhelming desire to smoke a cigarette? No matter what I any sort of media I watch, I have the overwhelming urge to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> This one wasn't like off the charts, though. I think I, as much as it is to say, I know it's not politically correct. Um, if you want your character to look badass, all you gotta do is give him a pack of cigarettes and a lighter, um, and you definitely get that vibe from the. I think Rob's having a seizure right now. I, I um, am. I am so in agreement because, like you said, maybe it's not politically correct. Maybe it's not something you should ever go on record saying. But you know, Zach and I were young at the same time. What was the big thing they told us? Cigarettes don't make you look cool. From my childhood, the one thing I remember is they don't make you look cool. Well, guess what? They fucking do. They do. They objectively do. I don't know what it is. I think that it makes you look cool. Maybe not just cigarettes. The act of smoking. The act of smoking a small cylinder of material... Makes you look cool. That's just a uh, fact. That's a fact uh, of the universe. Zach, well, yeah, Zach can disagree. Zach can think that, like, Bigfoot doesn't exist. It doesn't change <laughs> the fact that he does. It's a fact of the universe. Smoking makes you look cool. And and this episode made me want a cigarette so bad that that is the snack we have to eat during it. <laughs> you don't smoke the cigarette. You eat the cigarette. Yeah, I've seen cats do it, so why would it be bad for us? <laughs> What cat are you feeding cigarettes to? Uh, well, no, no. I'm putting my foot down. I'm putting my foot down. Zach, Zach interprets what I say strangely sometimes, but I did not say I'm feeding a cat a cigarette. <laughs> you don't smoke the cigarette. You eat the cigarette. Yeah, I've seen cats do it, so why would it be bad for us? I said I've seen a cat eat a cigarette, okay? I did not feed the cat the cigarette. You got fucking cigarette butts on the ground, and there's a fucking cat, and the cat's a dumb animal, and it's just like, what's this? I'm gonna eat it, and it eats a fucking cigarette. I didn't feed a goddamn cat a cigarette, Zach. Let's get that straight. I don't feed a cat anything. No cat is dependent on me. You're not allowed to purport that in our podcast. <laughs> If only I could feel as impassioned about anything in life as he felt as in defending himself from that remark. 
Folks, you just witnessed somebody dying on a hill over something extremely trivial. You'll never see a greater example of that ever again. No, this is this. Zach has his politician answers where he doesn't want anything traced back to him. I am steadfastly laying the foundation. I've done some fucked up shit that we've talked about and will talk about, but I've never fed a cat a cigarette. <laughs> that is that is past my line. Okay. <laughs> so you will not. I feel like you're like the uh, cat eating cigarette equivalent of Batman. Batman will not kill people, but he will not save them if they're in uh, the path of death. So Rob will not explicitly feed the cat a cigarette, <laughs> but if he sees a cat eating it, he will not do anything. I'll videotape so, it. And I'll send it to Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's such a thing as um, guilt by uh, complacency, but I think we might have just uncovered it when it comes to cat and cigarettes. Okay, so so yes, my my steadfast answer to what snack do we eat during Cowboy Bebop at session twenty is cigarettes. But I am I'm sorry, I shouldn't have jumped the gun. I really want to know, Zach, Mister Snackmaster, what did you have in mind? I really do want to know what what were you thinking before you heard my my answer that is now the canon. I was thinking. I, I figured, considering this is a theme park. I want one of those Mickey Mouse ears shaped like giant lollipops that has like the different swirls in it. I figured that is like uh, it is very over the top. It is very uh, diabetic shock. Like with all that sugar. Like it's over the top. Um, it'll make you sit there. It's like a blood sugar surge. I think that's a perfect thing for what this Cowboy Bebop episode is. Oh, I like that. I like that relationship. The blood sugar, blood sugar surge of candy to the fast pacing of this episode. And it's also Disney. It's just, I, don't know if they, I don't know if you can only get them in Disney. You probably can get them anywhere. Anywhere that sells like specialty candy, Disney probably sells them to. But it's something that used to be, I think, relatively exclusive to a theme park, to a Disney theme park. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because they really do. I re- at least me, I really get a sense that they are emulating Disney in this Spaceland theme park. To be fair, if you're going to emulate a theme park, is there any other theme park you could really emulate and get no, across? That, yes. that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, yeah. and if you can't, and if you can't get a, a Disney lollipop, please go to your local convenience store, smoke shop, and buy a pack of cigarettes and just start swallowing them whole. <laughs> but don't let, but don't let the cat in the room while you're doing this. I need to know, Zach. According to you, should the should the cigarettes they buy to eat be filtered or non-filtered? Considering that the filter has really no purpose when you're consuming them, I'm going to say dealer's choice. So, so you're giving you're giving everybody preference. You're giving our audience yes. preference. Okay, yes. good. I, I I like that. I commend that. Good. Is give there them, a particular is there a particular brand you're supposed to be eating while you're doing this? In Cowboy Bebop, I don't think there is uh, any brand name ever given to the cigarettes. It's a big thing that they smoke cigarettes, but I don't think they ever label a brand. But I mean, you gotta go. You gotta go. Good old Camel or Marlboro, right? Like, keep those businesses and company. They gotta be hurting. You think we can get them to sponsor us? Think we get Camel to sponsor us to advertise cigarettes? That'd be my dream. Having having a podcast that's sponsored by a major tobacco company. There, there's no greater pleasure in life. I would be. I was really happy that Zach got us involved with a Titanic person, but I might be more happy if Zach gets us involved with a tobacco person. <laughs> <laughs> I love to have a much like the Cinematis business card. That's going to have a CSU logo plastered all over it. <laughs> Would it be even better for like a little like Marlboro Man in the corner? Oh man. Okay. Okay. Any other snacks that you thought of? Any other? That pop- no, okay. I, I can't top cigarettes. So <laughs> can't top cigarettes. Okay. I've uh, I've unleashed the beast. We're eating cigarettes. 
Okay. Well, well, Zach, before, before we get to our one final most important question, um, I have a question that I would like to pose to you. Uh, this is a question now that I think uh, that we, uh, that, not that I think, that I know we are going to talk about in our next planned episode. So once again, peek behind the curtains, jump of the gun, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the next episode we have planned to talk about, the next media we have planned to talk about is Akira. Another piece of anime, but a movie rather than an episode of a TV show. And I told Zach a, a few weeks ago that I, when I watched Akira, I thought of a really interesting question for thought, a thought experiment. And I was thinking I would pose it to Zach during our Akira episode, but I've said, hey, I'm saying right now, hey, let's give it to Zach now. Let's get his initial response, let him think about it, and then come back at me. In the Akira episode, we're going to talk about this big time. But, Zach, I want to pose a question to you right now. And literally, it's for you to think about. Okay? You got you got the gist of what I'm going for? Uh-uh. Is that an uh-oh or an oh-no? Uh-oh. That was an uh-oh. Okay, good. That's, that mean, that's a yes as far as Zach and I are concerned. When, when I ask Zach a question and he says uh-oh to me, it means a yes. Okay, Zach. Can you prove to me? That you have had free will in your past. That's the question. Or any questions about the question. Can you prove to me, can you, as one human, prove to me, another human, that you have had free will in your past? That's the question. Any first impressions? Throw them at me. I'd love to hear them. You know what? It might it might not be too late where he is, but where I am, it's too late to be getting into this philosophical nonsense. Okay, so... Uh, Good. I'm going. I'm going to sleep on it for a week. Good. I, that's okay because uh, first responses can be brash, can be emotional. I'm surprised Zach just didn't start cursing at me and hang up the phone call that we're recording on. Um, but yes, it's an interesting question. When we talk about Akira, we'll talk about why I thought of this, and we will talk about my opinion on this because I, as Zach knows, I love thought experiments. Um, and, and really, this thought experiment, can you prove you have free will? This is the follow-up to the Clone Wars thought experiment. Can R2-D2 have a language? So that's this is the next big one, Zach. And we know where we stand on the beeps and the boops. But now we're talking about free will. So Zach's going to sleep on it? Cool. I had to get it out there. Zach's going to think about it. Zach's going to lose sleep about it, hopefully. But, but when he comes to me next, I want to know. If, if you had to prove to me that you have free will, how would you? And can you? Okay, Zach. Do you have any other questions? Any other questions for this episode? I think there's what only the, one left. What, what was the thing that you said during the Sophia the First episode that, that was just as bad as the cat eating the, the cigarettes? What, what was the... Well, you said something in that episode that was really messed up. That, like You got very defensive over. For, you felt alarmingly defensive over. Uh, was it something about how kids shouldn't believe in their parents or something? That was maybe. Maybe. I don't you, know. Well, you, but you didn't get. Oh, yes. Because maybe, maybe. Because I know you were defending that. Because it's like, like, like the, the, what's her name? Yeah. Abigail II. I don't know. There was something in that episode where you, you, you said something. I know. I have I said something. To it. You've, you've listened to it sooner than I have, if not at the same time. So, I, I mean, you know. I don't uh, remember. There was something in that episode that you said that you got alarmingly defensive over. And I think that's... Or you said something extremely controversial. You gave a hot take. 
The cat uh, one is good. The cat one is really good. I didn't plan on that. The cat on one was shockingly, like, like, like alarmingly defensive. Like, there's well, something. Well, because more... that's the fucking truth. I'm not feeding cats <laughs> cigarettes. Like, cigarettes are too cat expensive. Zach. Like, clearly, I will say and do crazy <laughs> shit, but there is a line that I steadfastly believe in, and you found one of the things that is beyond that line. <laughs> I, I like to imagine that after this, after we end this phone call, Rob's going out to like his porch. <laughs> A little like fishing line with like cigarettes baited to it. He just go go fishing for cat. It's like come here, kitty, kitty, kitty. As Rob drags a cigarette. Like, <laughs> you can catch. Like, you can like, like like some people like do like a, a prank of like like a dollar bill on the edge of like a fishing rod. Um, Rob does that except it's cats and um, cigarettes. <laughs> he lures cats into his basement. <laughs> Oh man, I'm alarmed by this. You have no idea. As a cat lover, I am seriously alarmed by this. I like I like trip. cats too. I like cats better than dogs because they're quieter. I love cats so much that's why I indulge them on their on their preference in cigarettes. <laughs> like Rob, Rob goes into the gas station and it's like it's like like, with like his pet cat and it's like, well, so what do you want, Mister Snuggles? No, he wants a Marlboro. My cat Marlboro. likes the. The Virginia Slims. <laughs> Today my cat wants the Winstons. <laughs> Today my cat wants the no-filtered Indian spirits. <laughs> Meow. And, and the oh, clerk's sir. like, sir, does he actually smoke? Does your cat smoke these? No, I feed it to him. He gets them mashed up into a bowl. <laughs> he licks it. I have a flat whisk I bought specifically for my cat's cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, lord, this is awful. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I started. Uh, started this is a meme. Session this is gonna be a meme now. <laughs> Rob feeding cigarettes to cats. <laughs> oh, okay, Zach. Well, Zach. Well, I have one question left. I have absolutely one question that uh-huh. I think I have an answer to. I actually think I have an answer to it this time. Uh-oh. Well, the question is, how do we end this episode? But I, I think I might have just had a thought on how we do it. What do you All think right. about? What do you think about? The theme song, Tank, of Cowboy Bebop, but in reverse. I, you know what? After, after what we've discussed, I don't think there's any uh, pleasant way to resolve it or tie up in a nice bow. So. <laughs> I, think, I think what you need, Zach, what our outro needs is we'll play Tank in reverse, but over it we will put Action Hot Dog. Dude, oh, no. la, 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 la. What do you think? Absolutely not. Nope. The foot is firmly placed down for, for Action Hot Dog. <laughs> Dude, la 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 la. <laughs> okay, tank, tank reverse it is.